Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mission State Church Podcast Thursday edition, continuing our series titled What is Sin This Week? I'm joined again by lead pastor of Mission City Church, Russell Schultz. Russell, what's up, man? How are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. Summertime, <laughs> heat wave, June. Let's go. You're going to get to the pool today? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I hope so. We'll see. I got to get some work done, um, but maybe like four or five-ish if okay. I get lucky. All right. Fair. So. Uh, you made a comment uh, after we finished recording last week that this has been one of, if not your favorite, uh, series that we've done so far on the podcast. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit or just what you're thinking about it? Yeah, I don't know. I just think I just like talking about sin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's um, I think in talking about this, it's cl- I, I love the biblical imagery around all this. And I think, I think in some ways it helps me like um, pursue holiness out like, like to, to consider what sin really is. And then also just to think about the different maybe impacts it has on my life or imagery that helps me think about sin differently, which then shapes how I think it's impacting my life. It helps me really want to pursue, um, the, the good stuff, you know? Right. Um, what do you, I don't remember what Sarah called that. what she called the, the, she called the bad stuff and then the good stuff. She had like a language in the first episode. I can't remember the name oh, of it. Yeah. I'm not sure. But I really liked how she phrased it or whatever. And, um, it just makes me, it, I've just enjoyed the dialogue and the conversation and just thinking about some of this stuff. Um, yeah, me too. I think as I've been processing it this week, I, I look at it like this. So I, for one, my, myself, I wish that somebody had painted sin in this picture for me when I was first like learning what being a Christian or follower of Jesus was, because what I've realized about myself, um, didn't take too long is that, uh, tell someone just telling me you're not supposed to do this or this is wrong or this is bad without any explanation of the why is not good enough for me to not want to do it. I don't know if that's just my natural, like rebellious nature or what, but that's not enough for me to go, okay, yeah, I probably shouldn't do it just because this person said not to, I need you know, what's, I know we, we talked about in a previous episode, you know, our, maybe our distaste for the subjectiveness of the word compelling, but, uh, I need a compelling reason why I shouldn't do that. And if you told me this is wrong versus you told me, Hey, this is going to create further darkness. This is going to create separation from relationship. This is going to create uh, deconstruction and bitterness in your life. Like that is a much more compelling case for why not to do something as opposed to, well, it's bad or you're not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. And I think, I mean, especially in a day when, you know, your own preferences and, and choices or thoughts, like you can define that. And most of society says like, yeah, that's cool, man. That's good. Good for you. Right. You know, it's, I think some of these, the, maybe the depth behind the brokenness of sin or the uncreation of sin or, you know, whichever illustration we want to use. I do think that weight is compelling to mm-hmm. use a word that I despise. 
Yeah. So uh, when we talk, so we ended talking about the weight of sin. We're kind of that was one of the maybe major things that we were talking about as we wrapped up the last podcast. We got a question from a listener uh, that I wanted us to a address. question. <laughs> we got a question from a listener. By the way, you're always welcome if you're listening to this. You've got questions. Something pops into your mind. Please reach out if you have you know if you know one of us or you can send us a text or whatever or you can just send me an email. My email is at the end of the podcast, but also I'll just say here Jake at missioncitykc.com. Send us your questions. If we get enough of them. Maybe we'll do a Q&A or something at the end of a series. Uh, we'd love to just kind of run through those. But I wanted to get to this one just as we kick off here. And here's the question. So in light of the idea that sin causes us to sometimes feel guilt or shame, or it usually leads to guilt or shame in some way, um, but there also is conviction. And conviction is a good thing for sin. It lets us know that, hey, this is dark. This is decreation. This is you know one of these themes that we've been talking about. Um, but there's also this shame and guilt that I think Jesus has really set us free from in his sacrifice for us. And so I want to ask you just how do you, where do you draw the line or how do you view the difference of, or knowing, I guess, maybe the difference of this is conviction and good, or this is some misplaced guilt or shame that I'm feeling about this action that I've done? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Guilt versus shame. Uh, well, conviction versus guilt or, and shame. Yeah, sorry. Yes, I miss. I misspoke. You're right. Um, I think conviction will happen. Um, one, it's. I think about the source of where those two places come from. So, uh, conviction is from the Holy Spirit, uh, where guilt or shame is from the enemy, or uh, could be self-doubt or insecurity and things like that as well. Misunderstanding who we are, a lie that we've believed for a long time. And so if conviction is from the Holy Spirit, it is to either prior to committing whatever sin that we're about to do, it's the, the thoughts of like, I shouldn't do this. This is wrong. Maybe have a different decision. Like you, you just feel like, you know, like you feel the weight of almost like, I'm about to step into something that I, I shouldn't do. Now, sometimes we sin unknowingly. And so I think that's on the other side where conviction, where we look back and there's, there's actually, um, if you ever do, if you ever, I don't know how you process your day. I don't do it well enough. Usually I fall asleep on the couch watching Netflix, but uh, when I don't, and I actually think about my day, there's something called the prayer of examine, which allows you to look back on your day. It has a process where you actually look at different aspects and see like where, like ask the Holy spirit to convict you. Um, and that's really powerful, but like there'll be, so if you don't do have a way that you think about your day like that, then oftentimes in random times, the Holy Spirit will bring up like, should I have done that? And then maybe you ask a friend, ask wise counsel, uh, or if you're in a small group or we have discipleship groups at Mission City, you kind of bring that up and maybe work through a Kairos moment, which we can talk about what that is at a different time. Um, and you just kind of work through that. I think that's conviction. Guilt, um, I think is, and shame I think that feels different too, you know, like in my own life. Um, and then it's like, it's almost like in my mind, I get like the spiral of thoughts that, uh, put me in a place that is not what Jesus has done for me. And so recently, um, I've been thinking about, uh, not always, but I, honestly, recently I've, I reread Philippians recently and this verse that Paul says, cause Paul is, um, you know, I mean, he was murdering Christians, so he had to have some shame with that. And I'm sure that the enemy reminded him of that often. And even if the enemy wasn't, he just had the memory of that. 
And he says this, and I think this is a, a verse to memorize. He says, brothers, you could say sisters, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straying, straining forward to what lies ahead. And I think that there is, um, when guilt and shame come, I'm remi- I, I, at that moment, I need to tell myself the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what he has done, that he came, that he died, that he rose again for the forgiveness of sins, and that he has made me new, and that though I have a past, that he has forgiven me of that, and that he wants me to pursue him uh, forward. I think one of the things that's been helpful for me in this aspect, one of the things that I've learned uh, is to think about the tone of the voice in my head that's telling me these things. So we believe that God is love. The Bible's pretty clear about that. That God is, has a loving approach. Uh, although we do see his anger come out in Scripture, we also know that it, for his children he is a loving God. And so uh, conviction typically or always in, in some way should have some kind of loving tone to it. Right. Like, so if you are feeling convicted of sin, it should be uh, there should be a tone of this is for your betterment. Uh, you would be better off. There would be less darkness, less chaos, less whatever. Like life will be better if you were to not do this. You are con- being convicted that this is actually making my life worse. Guilt and shame typically has some version of you you suck or you know you're bad you're like it's it makes you feel worse about yourself as opposed to in some ways end goal being to build you up and so the enemy certainly wants to tear you down wants to dehumanize you wants to uh make you believe negative things about yourself and so uh, i think the tone of the voice in your mind uh not to go too hyper spiritual with it but the tone of the voice in your mind that's telling you should indicate whether or not this yeah. is leading more towards guilt and shame or this is conviction. Yeah. And sometimes conviction too. I mean, like it's pretty, it can be black and white. Like you're reading a passage of scripture and it's Paul's giving instructions to the church and he says, don't do this. And you're like, Oh crap, I did that. That's like, mean, that's the scriptures reminding you of conviction too. Yeah, 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 and sure. that's not like, it's not like, should I do that or should I not? It's like, no, like <laughs> that's just straight up conviction and that's okay. And I mean, it's not okay to keep doing it, but it's more okay to go. All right. I, you know, I'm living under the authority of King Jesus, and so I'm going to let uh, this book that has this, this, the scriptures uh, kind of change the way I think about the world because it talks about him. It talks about what, what his followers do. So I think that's another way if you're like, well, how do I tell the difference? Well, I mean, go read some – go read the end of most of Paul's letters, and he'll give some Christian instruction about what to do, what not to do. Mm. Yeah, that's good. All right. Uh, I think we've kind of wrapped up that question. Thank you so much for submitting that. And let's jump into our topic for today. Uh, we're talking about the idea that sin is death or sin that... Death! <laughs> right. Um, and I, I guess I'll frame it this way. I've realized as we've been talking about this that a lot of times we're talking about the consequences maybe more of sin than actually sin itself or even maybe both. We're saying that the consequence of sin is this, but it's also creating this. Um, and so uh, I would frame it this way. Let's just start out. I, I kind of like this format that we've been doing, starting out with maybe the theology of why we view it this way and then getting into some more practical or application points. Um, so sin as death uh, comes all the way back in the earliest parts of Genesis. We see uh, in Genesis chapter 2, this is what God said, and the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day, you, for the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, we know that Adam and Eve didn't just drop dead on the spot when they ate of this fruit, but I don't know, Russell, what do you, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you read that 
or how, how do you understand what God's saying to Adam and Eve in that moment? I mean, I think in his instruction for them to be obedient to what, what he is, how he's created the world is like, he's saying that this really matters. Like there's, we talked about, we ended with weight, but there's a weightiness to this decision is kind of what I, that's the first thought. Mm. Yes. There's weightiness to it. I also think there's something, okay, we get into the relational piece of it. So there's, there's going to be a death of something of, of a relationship piece here. Also at this point, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that death has entered into God's good creation. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it has, I don't think it has. So like, it's why a lot of people say that uh, Adam and Eve uh, or man and woman uh, were, uh, were vegetarians hmm. because like the first death actually was God clothing them. I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause I was going to ask you, I've heard this before. I've, I've actually read this as I was um, studying for this podcast and it, it kind of confused me because I don't see a literal place where God, it says God kills an animal. However, he takes this hide and clothes them with right. it. So um, I guess in some ways you see it as uh, God has, there's a require, there is a, there is a death. Something ha- you could say, if you were from the camp that, you know, God killed an animal to clothe them, you could say that the, the immediate consequence of their sin was the death of something. Sure. Um, but I, it's not literally in there. So I know. Well, that. the funny, the funny thing you bring that up is my mind goes to: is there like some like naked mole rat just running around? <laughs> yeah, they they actually used to have a different kind of fur, and God yeah. took that off of them. Yeah, but like it, then I was like, oh, that makes me think of Kim Possible. With I don't know if you ever watched that cartoon. Uh, yeah, Rufus. But, yeah, Rufus, the naked mole rat. So I was like, do you think God like just took out the hide off of somebody and like sewing together clothes? I think it's implied. Now, like, is it literally there? No. So you have a point there, and I'm sure there's a re- there's someone can make a case for there or not. I I do think in in line with what G- what God is saying there, it it does it would make sense, especially because He does have clothing for them that He like an animal is killed, which that then sets up kind of the sacrificial. It alludes to the sacrificial system, which then will later allude to you know the ultimate pinnacle of our faith where Jesus is uh, death and resurrection. Right. So here's the other thing about this is that it seems to me that in the old Testament, as we're kind of building this theology of death and sin, um, God's very clear with his people, Israel, after they, you know, have, they're, they're exiled and they, they leave, um, sorry, not exiled. They, they, the Exodus is what I was thinking of, but they're leaving slavery, captivity to Egypt. Sure. They go, they're forming their own nation. They're, they're conquering on their own lands, but God has these, uh, rules and things along the way to help keep them pure because he's going to have his presence go with them and nothing impure can enter into his presence. And so there's like this stuff about if you touch a dead animal, you can't, uh, re-enter without purifying yourself yep. and yep. all of that. And so there's a clear separation to me between God and death. Like, and we know also scripture paints God to be life, the source of life and that he, so that would make sense that, you know, obviously these two things are complete opposites of each other, life and death. So he uh, is apart from death. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess you make a case that that, um, that would be the case for why he would not have done that, that he just maybe took some trimmers and shaved off a little bit of the... <laughs> right. It's just, a, it's like uh, shearing a sheep, you know? He, he it, could have, he yeah. He just took the wool off, sewed some sweaters together and... Maybe he did, I don't know. Uh, regardless of that, if it's not there where death enters the world... Now, there's definitely death of the relationship. There's definitely... Ex, you know, they're they're in exile now. They're out of the place where heaven meets it, or the good place. I think is what Sarah called it. Yeah, I like that language, the good place. Um, yeah, but, but that's the place where heaven and earth meets. There's a marriage there, and God is present with humanity in that moment. So they're out of that, and the full, like the fullness of that presence, if you will. Um, and then very quickly, their kids. That's what if you say it's not the sheep, then very quickly because Adam and Eve haven't died yet. Cain kills Abel. Yeah. Yeah. So, but death is, so uh, the way I was brought up, this is what we, this is what we, there's three types of death. There's death of the relationship that's caused by sin. Um, and I, I would have to rethink this to say if I would still want to say, put my flag on all of this just to give, give fair warning, but mm-hmm. there's death of relationship in that moment. So there's breaking between God, man, that's why they're hiding. They, they actually do feel uh, conviction, I think, or they felt that, and then they felt the shame of kind of being naked. Um, then eventually there's actually a physical death that will happen. And that there does. I mean, Adam lives for like 900, 800 something years, uh, and then they die. And then eventually they're in, at judgment when everything finishes up. There'll be a, a kind of a final death, if you will. Yeah. So it's interesting that you bring that up because there's also a couple different camps of thought as far as that physical death that Adam received. So was he, you know, what were Adam and Eve, uh, creatures that would have lived forever had they not eaten of the fruit or was there something about the good place that they were in that was providing that kind of immortality to them and then just removed from it their mortal state kicked in basically yeah i don't know Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate the simple answer but i mean if you yeah i don't know Either way, I think we can come to the conclusion that there is a physical death consequence of their sin, whether it caused their immortality to be taken away or they were mortal but in an immortal place and they were removed from that place. And we're yeah. getting really heady here. Yeah, and also too, like, I mean, you're talking about you talk about the Israelites too and the, the thinking of death, which I don't know if this is the direction you want to go with the podcast today, but it's God creates these the law, if you will, so that he can have relationship with them. You kind of alluded to this. And you see when they break the law that, that oftentimes there's like a, a, a group of people that will die. And I'm not, I, I kind of giggled or laughed or smirked, or, or not smirked, but just kind of laughed there. And that's not funny, but a it's chuckle, just maybe? a chuckle. Yeah. Uh, but there is a severity to... The, there, there is a severity to disobeying and dishonoring uh, maybe the boundaries that God has set up and they can get to, they can go all the way to physical death and you see it, you'll see it from time to time, especially even like with the tabernacle or, or temple practices. If the high priest didn't operate a certain way that he could potentially die if he doesn't do the right things entering into the presence of the Lord on the day of atonement. So, um, but it's just, it is a, it's definitely a product of disobedience. It is, but it, you know what's interesting about this? So it's a product of disobedience. It's also the atonement for disobedience, right? So like the requirement in a lot of those sacrifices for the priests and all that, you know, required the death of an animal to atone for the sins. Ultimately, and we can fast forward here, leading to Jesus' death. So how, how do we get from, help, help me to understand, how do we get from, um, you know, this sin leads to death 
to now death is actually going to save you from your sin. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, I was talking to Cass yesterday about something and she's like, I don't know why God did it this way. <laughs> I said, I don't, I, I don't ask myself that question all the time. <laughs> I don't know either, but I'm not God. <laughs> right. Yeah. Isaiah, right. Your ways are not, are my ways are not your ways. Right. Yeah. So for whatever reason, like, um, I think I also used to know, used to say, if God said the way to have a relationship with him was to like jump on a pogo stick and, and blow bubbles all day, like eight hours a day, then that's what I would do. But that's not what he did. He created this sacrificial system to, um, to atone for the sins of the, of, of the people of mm-hmm. the world. And so the way, yeah. So this is why I think they, a lot of people say God potentially killed this animal in the, in the garden too, is it's a foreshadowing for future sacrifices, which is saying that like you deserve death, but instead of you dying, uh, this, this perfect, and there's requirements for these animals, this animal is going to die in your place. Um, and you even put your hand on the head of the animal to, to signify like they're taking on your sin or your disobedience and things like that as well. Um, I don't know a hundred percent why it was I w- probably in some ways it's because that's kind of how the world was working at the time. There was a sacrificial system in other cultures, but a lot of time there were human sacrifices. There was different things to kind of atone for sin. And the, one of the ways that God was distinguishing himself was potentially this forgiveness and access that, that they would get, um, in the structure that he set up in the law. I think if you if you're listening to this and you want to dive deeper into this, there's probably a different podcast that you you might want to tune into. Yeah, just like thinking like you know, I I find all this fascinating, but I think for our audience, I want to get into more of maybe how this applies to us spiritually and the death of us spiritually. Yeah, um, and I know that we need to kind of get moving as well with our timing here, and so. Um, I'm thinking about just practical applications of how this hits us from a spiritual standpoint, because we talk about sin and death being, yes, sin is, or death is a consequence of sin, but in some ways sin also is equivalent to death. Um, and so I, I just, here's a couple things that came to my mind. I just run down this list here and um, yeah, we'll talk about it from there. So sin can be the cause or be the result or whatever of, it can be the death of relationships. Uh, it can be the death of peace. Uh, it can be the death of trust. It can cause a physical death, uh, murder, uh, something like that. It can be the death of justice. It can be the death of society. Uh, I think about like Hitler, for example, uh, and his his sins really caused the downfall of Germany. And like now, there's all these sanctions and everything that are against Germany, you know, whatever. And so, um, sin in and of itself has a consequence of death it also kind of is a a dying because we think about from an emotional standpoint as well um when i sin uh, and i know this to be true for myself and i think russell you would say this as well is that when i sin i I experience a somewhat of a a death or crumbling inside it feels like something inside me is cheapened something inside me is lessened i'm weaker i have died to something internally when i acknowledge that i have sinned and so I don't. I, I. I wish I could put my finger on this. I tried for a couple hours to put language to that feeling, and the best I can come up with is just like, we know that as believers, we know what that feeling is. You know that feeling of of I like. There's a death living. There's a death inside of me. There's a dark space. Kind of what we talked about with the house analogy. There's a there's a dark corner of the house of my heart that still exists, and it's it's dead. 
Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, I don't have too much to comment on that because I think it's like, it's hard to put language on it, but we all have experience. Like we know what it feels like, you know, like you're, and, and I think the reason why we know what it feels like is because we have had the Holy spirit breathe life into us before. And it's like, almost like, like the, some of the spaces where we've had life before, it's almost like some people use the word like giving up ground, if you will, but it's almost like we've, we've given up ground in spaces where it's like, no, like Jesus has redeemed that. He's brought us back to life here. I'm, I'm dead in my, I was dead in my sin, but now I'm alive in Christ Jesus. And it's like, when I go back to the old self or the old way or to darkness or, or to like death, it's like, I've picked death over life. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think, and I was actually describing this to somebody at mission city uh, not too long ago, but when we, sin or, or when you have, I guess when you choose to sin in a way, it's you're choosing death over life because uh, I think Psalm 16, we just preached on this this last Sunday. David makes it very clear. You make known to me the path of life. I don't think he's just saying these are the ways to live. I think he's actually saying that these are the ways that God reveals to us that give us the fullness of life. You know, Jesus talked about that, that in me, like you find life everlasting, you find the fullness of life in Jesus and following him. And so when we trade that for uh, sin in some way, we are choosing death. We're choosing a death activity over the life-giving activity that would be something you know, more holy or righteous. Yeah. Yeah. And so C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desire not too strong, but too weak. We are, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by, by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. And so part of it is in our humanity and in our struggle, like Paul talks about this in Romans 7, there's this struggle, there's this tension, I do what I don't want to do. As he's as a believer, I do what I don't want to do. And it's it's almost like it's it's uh, it goes back to us falling back into our old self who is far too easily pleased. He's talking about making mud pies, about basically people just making stacks uh, of poop is what they're doing. <laughs> it's what a mud pie is in a slum. You know, cow dung, they're piling it together for fuel probably. But like that brings joy to kids in slums. But when like, but they have no context for uh, what it would look like to have like a day or a, a vacation day at the beach. I don't know about you, I love the beach. And so a vacation day at the beach is like, it's like the pinnacle for me. And I'll say this is like, because, there, you go back to that feeling you're talking about. Because we have experienced a day at the beach with Jesus. But it's like we go back to picking up poop right i was gonna say a different word but i can't because this is a family-friendly podcast (laughs) we do and and it feels like that it feels it feels like poop it feels like death yeah yeah exactly uh there's a stench there's uh just a darkness a heaviness to it that is yeah it's not life-giving uh whereas yeah like you said that analogy of the beach versus picking up poop um yeah. All right. Well, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. Is there anything else that you want to share just before we kind of put an end on this, Russell? I just think, you know, I think sometimes with uh, when we get into maybe habitual sin or practicing sin, it's like realizing that that God is still pursuing you, that the gospel is still true of you, and to preach your, preach the gospel to yourself, that Jesus came for you, that he died and rose again so that you could have life and have it abundantly, and that you've been forgiven of your sins. So 
maybe you need Christ has forgiven you. Maybe you haven't forgiven yourself. Maybe you need to do that today and forgetting what was lies behind and press on to him today into the life that he's provided for you. Yeah. I love that. I think I'll just kind of add to that a little bit. What you're, you're just talking about Jesus there and his experience, his death on the cross. When we talk about sin being death, sin led to death because uh, sin entered the world. We were all destined to die. And when we sin, there is a death that enters into that space, what we just described. But Jesus took on your sins and took on your death, the death that you deserve to die on the cross. And so even that picture of Jesus on the cross is a picture of him taking on the death of sin that we deserved so that we could have eternal life. And so uh, when we talk about sin being death and leading to death, it's just there's so much more to it than just a physical death. But we are offered so much in life through the power of Jesus and his resurrection. And, and I just want to encourage you to live in that life, live in that freedom, and live, yeah, aside from death, put away your sin because it's, it's killing you in a sense, you know. But life is offered to you through following Jesus. All right, we love you guys. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Mission City Church Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have three community groups that meet every other Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.